and uh, we were I, we were training our our media people, and I, I, one of the things on my on my uh, on my outline, and I'm very detailed. I'm like OCD, like I'm o, I'm so OCD. I do like CDO, like I'm that bad when it comes to training and stuff, and uh, because you know like. Whenever I want, whenever I, whenever I'm asked to do something, I want good enough instructions where I could have never done it before, and the first time I get up there, I have the pamphlet and I'm able to do it effectively the first time. One of the things I, I like least in the world is whenever you buy a piece of furniture and there's thirty thousand pieces in a box and there's three steps on the instructions. They know when they wrote those instructions, they were leaving a lot of gray area. And me and my wife have had half counseling because we like to work together most of the time, and then we get in a fight because she knows. Anyways, that's getting into personal business. So, but one thing I told them yesterday is uh, what, on my outline, I actually, you know, pointed out it will mess up <laughs> because the, we have an older computer. And so that's one of the things that, that we need to work on. It's an older computer and, and it freezes from time to time. And so I even told them yesterday, it's not if it messes up, when it messes up, this is what you do. And so anyways, today I am going to... Uh, it was supposed to be a three-week series. It's going to be a two-week series, and I'm going to close it out today. Take the land. We are going to be talking about reset today, and we're going to be reading out of Joshua chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. So if you have your Bible, um, you can start turning there. I didn't get to tell everyone because of how service went last week, but the week before last when I was at prayer conference, I actually got something really cool. I had, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a minister. Obviously, this is the Church of God, and um, and uh, and there are three levels of licensing. And this last week, I was actually presented my ordained bishop's license, which I was really excited about. It's the highest level of licensing in the Church of God. Uh, <laughs> one thing they ask you, well, thank you. Um, they ask you whenever they give it to you, or some of the people around you, like, do you feel more anointed? I feel like I have something else to put on my wall, <laughs> you know, because the paper doesn't qualify you, the anointing does, but, but it, is, it is an accomplishment, and I, and I appreciate you guys, um, and the reason I'm telling you that is not to brag on what I've done, but it's actually to thank you guys, because um, I started out as an intern here with, with the first level of licensing, and, and you guys stuck with me, and uh, some of you guys have had to work with me whenever I was naive and thought I knew more than I did. And I appreciate you giving me grace and such and, and growing with me. And so I appreciate that. And now I'm telling people that I'm no longer Pastor Jay. I am Bishop J.R. Smith. I'm, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Do not call me that. I will not answer. I will not answer. Anyways, and so Joshua 2, verses 1 through 5 says this. Then Joshua, the son of Nun, secretly sent two spies from Shittim. Go look over the land, he said especially Jericho. So they went and entered the house of a prostitute named Rahab, and they stayed here. <laughs> the king of Jericho was told, look some, uh, look, some of the Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. So the king of Jericho sent this message to Rahab. Bring out the men who came to you and entered your house. Because they have come to spy out the whole land. But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. Would you pray with me just one more time? Father God, as we get ready to dive in your word, Lord God, and we begin to pull some things out about Rahab, I pray that you would add your anointing to those who are going to hear this word and add your anointing to me 
so that I could speak it in a way that honors and glorifies you. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, we, last week or the week before last, we, had, we started talking about Joshua and the conquest and how Joshua was the man's man and, and how he, uh, he, he was strong and ready to take God's people to where Moses just didn't or couldn't, the people wouldn't allow him. And so we started this, this discussion, this series, talking about how God was going to take this generation into the promises that God had, had given them. And so now we're, getting, we're really getting into the first stages of, of this conquest. We all know that they were supposed to enter this season a generation ago, but they missed out. And so what we're really looking at right now in the, cha- in the second chapter and first chapter of Joshua is their reset. This is their do-over. They already missed their opportunity, and now we are looking at their opportunity, their second chance, their second opportunity to do exactly what God had called his people to do. Aren't you glad that we serve a God that allows do-overs? Aren't you glad that we serve a God that he offers us the opportunity for a reset in our lives? That whenever we mess up, he doesn't just write us off or cast us aside. Instead, he offers us grace and pulls us back in. Even that scripture we read earlier in Psalm 139, how when we mess up and go to the left or to the right, he is right there with us. Isn't that good that we serve a God that's going to stick with us closer than a brother? Amen. It's kind of like... They were getting ready to do a reset. This was their reset. It's kind of like turning on and off a projector. If I were to turn this projector on and off right now, I could turn it off and turn it back on. And it may take some time, but it's going to come back on. And it's, it's going to work again. And, you know, sometimes I think if we, when we get turned off or when, we're, when we mess up, we think that because we messed up, we are no longer qualified or called to do what God qualified and called us to do. But just like that projector, just because it gets turned off, I can turn it right back on. Simply by hitting the right button. And can I tell you today that if you are in that place, and I'm not saying that you're backslidden, I'm just saying that there are things in your life that you wish, that you know God had put on your heart, and you just walked right by them and said, well, somebody else will do it. Or I'm not strong enough, or I'm not smart enough, or I'm not good enough to do that. And so you walked right by, but now you're in a place in your life where you're thinking, man, I really wish I would not have missed that opportunity, and you think it's past you. I'm here to tell you today that God still offers resets. That God is still a God that doesn't, doesn't cast off your purpose. Your purpose is always the same. It doesn't matter if you're 5, 15, 50, or 500. Your purpose, the reason that you were created, never changes. And God's grace never runs out for you. Or, you know, maybe you were like me. And you like Mario Brothers. How many played the, like the old school Nintendo? Anybody in here played that? Man, I had a good mom. She's not here today, so I can talk about her. But she's, hey, y'all want to hear something really cool? This is rabbit. This is, this is a real, real deal rabbit. This is not in my notes. My mom called me last week, and some of you guys know we've been live streaming our services. So hello to everyone who is watching. Um, and it's in the cell phone in the corner. And we're going to do it better later on, but right now we're just live streaming through a cell phone. And my mom called me last week, and she said, when did you start putting your services online? I said, Mom, we've been doing that for a long time. She said, well, I was sick, and I couldn't go to church, and I was so excited because I could get on Facebook and, and watch church, be in church. 
And my mom's funny. So she actually said, I can cook eggs, I can sit in my pajamas, and I can be in church at the same time. I said, well, I'll let you do that as long as you send your tithe in. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. It's not for that purpose, but I love that we have the opportunity to share the gospel even whenever people aren't here. And so, but whenever I was growing up, my mom was really cool because she always bought me these game systems. But Nintendo, she bought it for me for Christmas. I didn't get to play it till like March. Why? Because my mom fell in love with it, okay? And so I didn't get to use it. it my mom was one of those moms that she bought me a toy that she liked better than it would be her toy. Until she got tired of it. And so, but I, I remember growing up, I played the original Mario Brothers, and it was so cool. But, and what I loved about Mario is that you could cheat. Because there were secret tunnels in this old school game. You know, little, you know, Mario was the plumber, and he could go through these, you know, sewer tunnels, which, I, you know, now that I'm older, I'm thinking, that's not a good idea. It's not very hygienic. But I didn't think about that as a kid. But this plumber, he would go through these tunnels, and, and really, you could play the whole game that was supposed to be like 15 levels and only play like three because they had these secret entrances and, and different tunnels that you could pass. And so I don't think I ever actually played the whole game. I think I skipped just about every time, and if I didn't skip, I would get frustrated and I would reset it because there was this really cool picture or there was this really cool button on that Nintendo. And it was the power button, and then there was the reset button. And every time I would mess up something or I would get frustrated, I would say, you know what, I'm just going to reset it. And so I used the reset button. It's the one that's the top right. You almost can't, you can see it right there, top right, reset button. And you know what, the reason I would reset it is because I was looking for that particular thing and I missed it and I would get frustrated and I would just say, you know what, pow, and I'd reset it. And that was easy. I mean, it's easy to reset a Nintendo. Now, if you ever had a Nintendo, if you reset it, it may take you 10 minutes to get it to work again. But you could reset it fairly easily. The problem, though, is, is in life, resetting isn't always that easy. You see, while God freely, he, he gives us a reset, and it's free, and his grace is free, and it's not something we can earn, we still have to deal with the consequences of our mistakes. One thing I, I hated is whenever video games, and if you're not a gamer, I'm sorry, I got a lot of game references today, but if you're, but if you're a video gamer, one of the things I hated is whenever they started auto-saving the video games. Because then I couldn't just reset it. It saved all of the mistakes that I had made. And you know what? Sometimes that's how life is. We're looking for a reset button that's going to erase all of the mistakes that we had. But the truth is, is that you can't erase the mistakes that we've, that we've made. There are some mistakes we just have to put under the blood of Jesus, but we still have to deal with the consequences of them. And so... Here's the thing, though, because there are mistakes that we make and we still have to deal with the consequences, we feel like those mistakes disqualify us from God's love, from God's grace, from God's plan. Well, I'm not good enough to teach. I'm not smart enough to teach. I'm not good enough to work in the church. You just don't know my history. I don't need to know your history because I know God's grace. I know that it doesn't matter where I've come from or what I've done. His grace is still sufficient. And this is what Romans said. I love Paul. This is what he says in 1129. God's gifts and his call are irrevocable. So we can't think that just because we've messed up that we've been disqualified. Because what he has started in us, another scripture says, he will complete it. 
And so today, I don't know what you feel like you've missed in your life. It's okay because if you're here today and you're willing to let God do a reset in your life and maybe reset your perspective and reset your priorities, you don't have to continue missing what God has intended for you. Isn't that good? That even though we have missed out, you know, I think about Caleb, who he was one of the two spies that whenever Joshua was first sent into the land, whenever Moses first went into the land and they began to spy it out, and they saw all the good stuff, and Joshua and Caleb were like, hey, if God is for us, we can go into that place, and it doesn't matter who's against us, we can take the land. And then, of course, the other spy says, no, there's giants, we're not going to do it. What I love about Caleb is that if I were in Caleb's shoes and I had to miss an entire generation, I would think, well, my time has passed. There's nothing more that I can do. God has forgotten about me. I'm going to have to pass my purpose on to someone else. What I love about Caleb is that as the Israelites began to conquer the land that was promised to them, Caleb said, you know what, Joshua? I still want my mountain. I still want the land that God promised me he, he knew that he was a generation late but he also knew that if God spoke a word over his life it was still relevant to where he is today can I tell you today that if God has spoken a thing in your life and it's taken longer than you thought it should or you thought you did stuff that disqualified it out of your life it's still there it's still there I believe God, I believe God wants to give some people a reset today, a reset in the way that we think, a reset in the way that we act. And so here in this scripture, we meet Rahab for the first time. Now Rahab was a harlot. She was a prostitute. She was a woman of the night. And here's the thing about Rahab. She thought that prostitution was, that was her destiny. She thought that's who she was always going to be, even her home. When I read this, I think about everything about her. I look through the whole thing and look at her life as a whole. Even her home was situated where? Anybody know? On the wall. On the wall. Why was it situated on the wall? That's a curious question that I had. It was situated on the wall because she knew and saw where all the new men were coming in and out. Because it was important to her occupation. And so every part of her life pointed toward being a a woman of the night, a harlot, for the rest of her life. She lived every day in this life that she thought she would be trapped in forever. Have you ever felt that way? Where it feels like everything in your life is pointing toward this is always, this is what it's always going to be like. This is what I'm always, it's going to be like I'm in this, in this repetitive cycle that I can never get out of. Have you ever been there where you feel like I know that I'm meant for more, but I just can't get out of this rut. I can't get out of this thing that I'm stuck in. You know what? She thought that was going to be her destiny, but God saw something more in her. 
God saw something in her that he wanted to pull out. It seemed like everything about her gave the sign that she would never get out of where she was. Even her name is Rahab. The beginning of that is Ra, which is a false god. Everything about her seemed like she would never be anything more than a prostitute. Isn't it funny how we write people off because of how we see them? Isn't it funny that when we see certain people, we're like, oh, well, I've known them my whole life. They're never going to change. They're always going to be the same. Or maybe people have said that about you. Well, that person did this, and they did that, and they're never going to be any better than what they are. Isn't it funny how we look at people like that and we think they should do better and they should be better by now and they should be in a better place by now? I am so glad that God judges us by our potential and not by our position because when we see a prostitute, God sees the grandmother of Jesus. When we see fishermen, God sees world changers. When we see a murdering Pharisee named Saul, God sees a gospel missionary named Paul. When we see a drunk on the streets, God sees a preacher. When we see an atheist, God sees a small group teacher. When we see a drug addict, God sees his child. When we see a broken marriage, he sees a marriage restored. How do I know? Because he's done those things in my life. Can I tell you, it doesn't matter where a person starts or where they are today or where you are today. We serve a God that doesn't judge us by who we've been. He sees the potential that he planted in our spirits. He knows what you were created for. He knows where he's called you to be. I'm glad I serve a God that doesn't judge me by my mistakes, but he offers a grace when I lay down at the foot of the cross. He offers me a redemptive power in the blood of Jesus to change who I've been and change where I've been and give me a new destiny. Who's glad that you serve a God that doesn't just leave you in the muck and the mire, but he picks you up out of the valley and sets you up on a high place, not because you're so good, but because he's so good. Oh, we serve a good God that's going to be there for us in the middle of addiction, in the middle of broken marriages. Oh, Jesus, I thank God that he looks for the unqualified. You know, when we start looking for people to fill positions in our church, churches or to, look, or to fill positions in our businesses, we don't look for the people who underperform. We look for the overqualified. And most of the time, the overqualified are overly lazy. I'm all about branches. I've been stepping out on branches for the last month. But God, He looks for those who are overlooked. Because there are times where literally, and sometimes it's a victim mentality, but sometimes people are just dealt bad hands. Sometimes people have a harder, and we don't like to look at it this way because we are kind of act like babies and we always have a hard life and all this. But there are some people who legitimately have a hard life. And there are some, I've met some teenagers that whenever I said to them, I love you and I can't wait to see you next Wednesday at church, it is the first time that anyone has ever said I love you to them. 
God looks for the underqualified because there is an unpolished resource that we often overlook. Kind of like whenever Samson went to, or not Samson, but Samuel went to the house of Jesse to look for the next king of Israel. And Jesse brought out all of his sons that looked good, talked good, and were strong. And he thought that they were the right people. But it wasn't the one he was looking for because his dad, David's dad, said, I've got another little boy that's taking care of the sheep. And he was overlooked because of his size, because of the things that his father felt that he lacked. But whenever God spoke to the prophet, he said, that's the one that I want. We have to be careful who we overlook because every single person that we come into contact with has a purpose. And that may be the next King David. That may be the next Samuel. That may be the next Billy Graham. That may be the next Jensen Franklin. And we're telling him, no, you can't work in the church. I know where you've been. No, God is saying you need to give them grace because... Because I know where I've called them to be. God saw fit to invest in a prostitute. That's that's just saying it bottom line right there. A person whom we would normally overlook, God said, let me use her. Let me use her. God chooses to invest in people that we often overlook that we deem unqualified. If we are going, if this church is going to be effective in in Greenville, we have to start looking past the outside of people. And we have to be able to invest in them just like God chose to invest in Rahab and just like he has invested in us. You see, you may say, Pastor Jay, I was never a prostitute. may not have been. But one thing we get so confused in the church is we think that God has this this graph. And on this graph, there is level of sins. And if if I'm just a little gossiping person, then I'm not as bad as this person that's on, strung out on crystal meth. Or if I just lie a little bit, We're not as bad as the person who cheated on their husband or their wife. But can I tell you today that sin is sin. You may like your sin more because it's more attractive, or it may be easier to hide, but sin is still sin. The Bible says that we, our righteousness is like filthy rags. God chooses to invest in people who understand that his grace has to be enough because of where I've come from. There was something inside of Rahab that God wanted to try to pull out. So he gave her a chance. Now, for those of you who don't know this story, I'm going I'm, I'm to put it in a nutshell for you. The, 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 the two spies, and, and Joshua was the smart because... Moses sent too many and got too many opinions and they missed out on the promises of God. And so Joshua got two guys that were in his corner. He said, I want you two to go and I want you to come back and report straight to me so that we don't get any talking going around. Because sometimes holy talk causes holy problems. And so, and so Rahab, these, these two guys come in 
and, and I'm sure she was sitting at home. She wasn't expecting two random guys to come into her house that were a part of the children of Israel. And, she, and they say to her, if you hide us, if you protect us, we're going to protect you. And she says, okay, well, I'll protect you, but you remember me whenever you guys come back and conquer the city. And they say, well, if, like we said, if you protect us, we'll protect you. So she hid them. She put her life in danger. It's so funny that, and, the, and I don't mean this offensive to, to anyone, but it's going to be offensive, so I, I'm not going to apologize. It just is what it is. Um, it's funny how sometimes people who are out in the world are so much nicer and ready to help than the people that are in the body of Christ. Now, luckily, last week we had a great offering. I am so appreciative. But there are a lot of times where not just this church, but the church in general, we are so inwardly focused that we forget that our job is to care for people. And what stands out to me about Rahab is that while she was looking to get something out of it, she still took them in. And so she took them in and she hid them. And the, and the king sent his men and said, I want you to turn them in. And she said, and she lied. I'm not going to go into why she lied or, or what the, what, we're not going to go into that part. But she lied to them. said, they already gone. They, they went this way. And so they chased them out and then she hid them and then they left. And so she had developed a covenant with these people. She had developed a covenant with these people. She could have very easily turned away those spies that came to her. But you know what would have happened if she did that? She would have missed her opportunity for a reset. You see, God's people, they were in the middle of their reset. They were in the middle of reclaiming what they had missed. But if, and, she, and this was an opportunity for her to reset her life. Now, at the time, she thought she was just asking for protection. She thought that, hey, I'm just trying to get out of my family being murdered as you guys come in and take the land. But the truth is, is that she, by her making this one singular decision, she pressed the reset button on her life. Now you, and it wasn't immediate. The next day, she was still a prostitute. And in the same room that those men of God walked into, she had probably other men that were there for very different purposes. See, sometimes whenever people come down to the altar and they get saved and they begin to pray, we get upset when three weeks later they're back on drugs or they're back doing the same thing. Well, the, same, well, the thing is, is sometimes God absolutely delivers right then and there. I know that there are certain things that God delivered me from and it was like a lightning bolt shot through me and I never had a desire for it again. But there are other times in life where we have to walk things out with people because they're not going to change overnight. Rahab was still a prostitute the next day, but because she simply decided to protect the men that God had sent to her, she had hit a reset button in her life that she wouldn't see come to fruition for a long time from then. And so the good news for Rahab and for us is that our current position is not indicative of our end result. Our story is not over. If you're in a place today where you feel like you need a reset because you have missed your opportunity or you've missed your calling or maybe there's struggles in your finances or in your marriages or in your relationship and you think maybe it's too late, I'm here to tell you that it may not be that God can still come into your life and offer the opportunity for a reset. We often think, well, this is who I am, this is who I'm always going to be. I hear that so many times and it's not true. You don't have to stay where you are. God's grace gives not only, God's grace doesn't only cover you, 
but it has the ability to give you strength to take you from the place of brokenness and trials and all that stuff that you're trying to get out of and pull you into a place of mercy and newness. And so as I read this story, I see God, I see that God will put people in your life to help get you to where God is calling you to be. Because out of nowhere, these spies walk into her house. It's definitely not what she's looking for. And here's the thing. When God puts people in our lives that are there to empower us and get us to where he's calling us to be, most of the time they are not like the people we normally hang out with. Most of the time, the people that God puts in your life, it's not your normal crowd. Why? Because obviously your normal crowd isn't working. If you've been saying for years that, hey, I want to stop If I want to stop gossiping or if I want to stop lying and you're still surrounding yourself with the same people who have the same struggles, why do you wonder why you still struggle with it? If you're trying to get out of drinking alcohol and you're still hanging out with people who drink beer every weekend, why do you think you're still struggling with it? Because you are surrounding your people with the very thing that you're struggling with. You're surrounding yourself with people who are not there to empower you. Really, they're there to help ensnare you and they don't even realize it. It's not their fault, but it just is what it is. And so normally God will put people in your life that you don't even expect. They don't look like someone that you would normally hang out with. They don't look like somebody you would normally communicate with. They're totally different, but they're exactly what you need. And so Rahab has these guys come into her house. She makes a covenant with them. She lies for them. She protects them, and and they get away. And because of her role, I want you to listen to this, because I love it just blows my mind when I think about this. Because of her role, because of her decision to hit the reset button on her life, Rahab was grafted into the lineage of Jesus. Think about that. You have a random woman that lives in Jericho that's a harlot, that's a prostitute, that has a low level of respect, and many would believe she had a low value, low level of worth. But because she was willing to protect the men of God, to take a chance, she was grafted into the lineage of Jesus. In fact, she married one of those same spies that snuck into her house that night. She mothered, for those of you who read the Bible, she mothered Boaz, who married Ruth and became the great-grandmother of Jesus. She was grafted into the Lord's plan because his grace, because of his grace and her willingness to follow his will for her, for her life. And I, and I ask myself, why did Christ allow sinners into his genealogy? Why would he do that? And I found this really cool quote that I wanted to share with you. He came on behalf of sinners, from sinners, to destroy sin. He can identify with us and reconcile us because he's been where we have been. Aren't you glad that we don't serve a God that's a far-off God, but instead he knows what it's like to, to live in this world, that he knows what it's like to walk on this, on this ground. He knows what it's like to be cold and hungry. He knows what it's like to experience funerals and loss. He knows makes me makes it much easier for me to lean on a God that knows where I'm at. He knows what it's like to face death. He knows what it's like to have 
have his flesh ripped from, the, from his back and from his body. He knows what it's like to have nails driven in his hand. He knows pain. He knows sorrow. He knows sadness. He knows you. He knows you. It's funny. Danielle, if you'll come play for me, please. It's funny that most people still know her as Rahab the harlot. Isn't that funny? I say funny, I guess it's actually kind of sad. Because a lot of times we, it's more comfortable for us to judge people by who they were instead of believe with them for who they can be in Christ. It's easier for us to sit in, in the judgment seat of people instead of believing that God can do a miraculous work in their life and change every part of who they are. The truth is, is that she is Rahab and she's the mother of Boaz and the grandmother of Jesus. That's who she is. There will... In fact, I'll tell you what's really cool about Rahab. She didn't just marry into the family of God. She married into one of the top families huh, of God's people. She didn't just marry, you know, someone that barely got in, that couldn't take care of her and all those things. Because of her willingness to follow God, God gave her an increase. God blessed her because... You know what? She wasn't Rahab the harlot anymore. She wasn't the prostitute anymore. She was grafted into the family of God. She became a daughter of the Most High King, a princess in the kingdom of God. Who are we to judge people by their past? Maybe even by their present. Whenever God overwhelmingly shows us in Scripture that He takes the least of these and does amazing things through their lives. I mentioned Saul earlier. The religious one. The one that thought he was right. That was going around killing and jailing Christians. I think we talked about him a few weeks ago and talked about how God knocked him off of his donkey so when I say donkey I think of Shrek and I want to but I can't sound like the guy so I'm not going to try to donkey okay I did I'm sorry <laughs> so funny to me I love Shrek the first one the rest of them are dumb actually they're probably all dumb but the rest but the first one's the least dumb and the best but anyways I think of people like like Rahab and, and Saul who God knocked off of his donkey changed his life and gave him a new name can I tell you today that regardless of what's going on in your life God can give you a reset I've seen God reset finances I've seen God reset marriages I've seen God reset alcoholics and drug addicts I've seen God reset me messages like this are very close to my heart because I see myself in them. And I know that if God 
can work in my life and all the screwed up stuff that I did before I knew Jesus, I know he can do it for anybody else. And I'm closing with this. Because of her faithfulness, just days later, now think, she is a member, she is a citizen in Jericho. But God's people, their reputation had gotten out. And the king, while he was so concerned about it, is he was afraid of what would happen if they were attacked by God's people. And Rahab, she took this chance, put her life on the line. And she didn't realize it, but she changed her destiny. And because of her faithfulness, just days later, the very wall that she was living in, that was her cage, that was her place of sin and harlotry, just days later, because of her faithfulness, the very thing that she was caught in was destroyed by the power of God. The very sin, the very place of sin that she found herself trapped in as the Israelites encircled the city and on the seventh day let out a yell of praise because of her faithfulness, because of her willingness to take a chance, the very room and the very wall that she found herself trapped in and that sin was destroyed by the power of God. And she received her reset. God's children, they, they kept their promise. They came in and they rescued her and they pulled her out, took her family, everybody that was there. She started her new life. Today, as we get ready to close, if you are in need of a reset, you may say, Pastor Jay, I've prayed this prayer a thousand and one and a half time. That half time, I didn't really mean it. Prayed it so many times, and I just don't feel like God is ever going to, not that God's not, I just don't feel like I can do it. I'm here to tell you today, in your own strength, you can't. But with the anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit, God can give you a reset that lasts. And you, and you can begin to take the land that God has called you to take. And recover your family, your, your reputation with your family, your marriage, your finances. All the things that the enemy has robbed you from, robbed of you, robbed from you. He can give you a reset and you can get it back. So would everyone stand? that's you and you'll say Pastor Jay with every head and every eye closed please if that's you and you'll say Pastor Jay I have I need a reset in my life there are things in my life that are off kilter may not be that you are backslidden but there are things in your life that you are just off kilter and you need God to reset. Maybe it's your perspective. 
Maybe you need to reset your heart because there's some unforgiveness that God needs to take care of. If that's you, I want you to lift your hand. If you are in need of a reset today, God sees those hands. God sees those hands. God sees those hands. If that's you, Pastor Jay, I need a reset. I need a reset. I need a reset. I need God to do something different in my life. I need to be rescued from where I'm at. This is your opportunity to raise your hand so that I can pray with you. Okay. God sees those hands. If you will, today we're going to do a little different. I want you to grab the person, grab the hand of the person next to you. There are about four hands that went up. About four hands. That means there are four people. I want everybody to look at me right now. There are four people. Because this is what I never want to do as we do these type of prayers. These type of prayers are very important because we are literally joining together. You know, like that old song, uh, how's it go? Let the chain uh, be unbroken. We are literally joining together as a family in the body of Christ, agreeing with one another, even though I just broke this one, I'm sorry. We're joining together right now, believing for our brother and sister in Christ that God's going to do some amazing things in their life. So pray with me like, like you're asking someone to pray for you. Let's pray. Father God, Father, I just thank you, Lord God, for your mercy. And Lord God, as we... As we lift you up today, God, we pray that you would be glorified. And Father, we thank you for the anointing that's been in this place today. Father God, you saw every hand that was raised. Father, you saw every person in this place that is in deep need of a reset in their lives. Father, I pray for them. I pray for strength. I pray, first of all, that they would repent of whatever it is that they may need to repent of. And God, that you would give them strength to follow your will. Father, their best days are ahead. They're not behind them. They are ahead. And we speak favor and grace over their lives. We speak strength and healing into their lives, Lord God. Father, we love you. We thank you. We thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Amen. Would you give God a hand clap of praise real quick? Amen. All right, look, this is how we're going to do this. We're going to dismiss. We, we have a business meeting. And so for those of you who are visitors with us today, um, we thank you for coming. We hope you have a great day. We love you. We hope to see you again Sunday morning or Wednesday night, uh, Wednesday night at 645, Sunday again at 1030. Uh, we're going to dismiss for five minutes to let everyone go use the restroom if they need to. Uh, and we're going to reconvene in about five minutes. So I love you guys. I will see you back here in five minutes. God bless. Thank you.